Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you for listening to this DuPont Media production, available on all major podcast platforms. This is Rod Peterson On Demand. We do have breaking news today, and you're the guy that's behind this. Over to you, Moose. We're going to Montreal. Ta-da! We are taking our show on the road. Thursday and Friday, we'll be on the air from uh, from the Stanley Cup Finals. How cool is that? Yes, live Thursday, Friday from Montreal, downtown Montreal, in advance of Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. We will be there live. This is the Rod Peterson Show. Batten down the hatches and away we go with another edition of the Rod Peterson Show. I'm Kelly Rempel. Peter Labardius will be my co-host again today. We tore it up Wednesday, folks. We really did. What a great show we had. So much fun. And, uh, you know, people loved it so much. <laughs> I We got off the air and I said, Peter, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing Monday? <laughs> I know we're taking... Unfair advantage of your generous offer <laughs> to ask uh, you to I, come I, back. I don't really think it's too unfair, <laughs> but um, I was more than delighted to have an opportunity to come back today. Well, I it was it was amazing. I had such a great time. I yeah, thought, why would I look for another co-host for Monday when Lou, <laughs> if Lou is willing to come back? So we got him yeah. back here today, riding shotgun, of course. Uh, RP and DD. The impeccable Rod Peterson and the immortal Darren DuPont, two full-blown degenerates, are still <laughs> enjoying <about> themselves. <laughs> How about that? It's right. <laughs> That's right. The sound guy. Say that again. How about that? <laughs> See? That's good. I, like uh, that. I like they're that. They're in Montreal, Quebec. Um, who knows if we're going to have a game five? I know what I think is going to happen tonight. We'll get to that a little bit later, but the Montreal Canadiens fighting off elimination. There is definite concern of being swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning, uh, well, they've been they've been all over the Montreal Canadiens. The interesting part, though, Lou, um, is really that the Montreal Canadiens have not been that bad in the series. But interestingly enough, the one thing that we've we've come to expect from Montreal is great goaltending from Carey Price. And with all due respect, Lou, it just hasn't been there in this series. And it's I'm kind of stunned, to be honest with you. Yeah, I am too. It's probably the first time in an incredibly important situation that Carey has not looked like himself. Um, he's given up a number of suspect goals. He has been outplayed, I think that's fair to say, by you know the gentleman who might now... Um, have really, truly solidified himself as the number one goaltender in the game in Andre Vasilevsky. 
Um, but no, I didn't expect that. Uh, you wonder a little bit, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him. You wonder, he was hurt a lot during the season. Maybe that is, you know, come back a little bit. But Kel, you know, in sports, here's a gentleman who has always been at his best, whether it was World Junior at 19, helping Hamilton win a Calder Cup. We know what he's done internationally at the Olympic Games. Uh, certainly, he was stellar in 2014 in Sochi. And he's been one of the game's best. And in a one-game showdown, I still, you know, would want to go to Carey Price. But, you know, he, he's made some very uncharacteristic mistakes. One thing he doesn't get enough credit for is just how well he handles the puck, his hockey IQ, the way he directs the game. And, you know, the moment has at times looked like it's gotten to him a little bit. And I guess my final thought Going into game four tonight, we can obviously have plenty of time and we'll, you know, get together with the fellas who are right there um, where it is absolutely everything in Montreal later in the program. But when this series comes to an end, I'm, Kel, I'm not going to forget about game two because yeah. I clearly thought the Montreal Canadiens were the better team. They um, were the better wide team. They the wide advantage in shots and, you know, made a couple of really key mistakes where they did not manage the game really well. And, you know, you and I talk about this. I talk about this constantly, almost ad nauseum on Calgary radio. But the one thing in big games that for me never goes away is this. And, you know, that second period of game two when, you know, they had a huge edge scoring chances all of it, you need to be better and take advantage when you're clearly the better team. And in that second period, Montreal's best of this series, in my opinion, they were outscored. And you give up that goal to Blake Coleman, incredible, you know, effort diving through the air with just under two seconds left to give Tampa the lead. That's the period where Montreal just didn't get enough out of great play. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, um, well, hey, we're just getting warmed up here. And speaking of being warmed up, <clears throat> the warm-up here is uh, presented by Ecole Electric, Lou. As they like to say, as the union bosses like to say, let's get to work. Yeah, That's what let's they say. get to work. That's what they say at Ecole Electric. You and I have never been afraid to roll up our sleeves and get no. to work. And no. that's what they're doing at Ecole Electric every day. And we're looking forward to that. Uh, we're just getting warmed up here, folks. As Peter alluded to, in hour two, we do have Rod and Darren. They're going to be joining us from Montreal. Um, I'm really looking forward in about 14, 15 minutes from now, former first base coach. Well, his resume is very long. We're going to get to that. But Tim Leeper, former first base coach of the Toronto Blue Jays, is going to be joining us. I said to producer Clark, I said, listen, I don't really care. I, I'm, I'm happy to, to uh, co-host these two shows on Wednesday and, and Monday. And again, Lou, thanks for joining me for both. All I ask is that we have one segment for the Toronto Blue Jays because I am invested like you wouldn't believe this year. 
And so who does he go yeah. out and get? He gets former first base coach Tim Leeper, a friend of the show. I couldn't be more fired up about that. And I know that you're going to have some questions for Tim as well. That's coming up again right after the break. But in hour two, we are going out to Rod Peterson and Darren DuPont, who are absorbed in the atmosphere in Montreal. Although, Peter, and I'll talk to those guys about this, I was really hoping that the, that the Habs would win game three. I, I don't really have a lot of skin in this game. I'm not a huge fan of either team. I'm a huge fan of Joel Edmondson. I'm a huge fan of Braden Point. Montreal and uh, Tampa Bay uh, former Moose Jaw Warrior, well, Moose Jaw Warrior alumni. So I, I have that skin in the game, I guess. I like both of those two guys, but doesn't really matter to me who wins or loses. There's part of me, sure, I would like to see a Canadian team win. It's been so long. I just can't help but think that the atmosphere that they would have enjoyed over the weekend would have been a little bit more interesting and exciting if Montreal somehow would have found a way to have won uh, in Game 3. But getting back to what you were talking about a few minutes ago, you talked about Game 2. I want to talk a little bit, Lou, about Game 3. So... There's 3,500, 4,000, whatever there is in there. And it probably sounds like 15,000. And within a couple minutes of the game, you're down two. Like it, it just, it was like, you know, you just never know if you get that first goal and you get things going and people are getting excited, but it just felt like they were never in it. Sadly. Well, the people, the people were clearly ready. And I also thought, you know, um, in that game, it, it just shows you, A, what a machine Tampa is because, you know, they were completely prepared for what they were going to deal with early. And I thought the Canadians early in game three looked a little nervous. Um, and you can understand that. And that's where experience makes a big difference. And, you know, Wayne Gretzky had a quote that I heard on a, on a media source, and I couldn't agree more about, you know, there's the regular season, there's the playoffs, and there's the Stanley Cup final. It's like other events, Kel, you know, the Memorial Cup, there's a round robin, um, you know, there's a playoff game, but then there's championship Sunday. So those are all different. And and I truly believe that, you know, it escalates and it asks for more. And, you know, Tampa was very prepared. They jumped out. Montreal, I thought, took a little while to get to their game. The building was crazy. And by the way, at least from listening and watching, I'm, I'm not so sure that they were counting very well in Montreal. Um, it looked like a heck of a lot more than 3,500 people. To me but um you know and then you get it to 2-1 on the goal by philip Deneau, his first of the playoffs cool caulfield who what an amazing year that young american has had he rings one off the bar if you get to 2-2 going in you know it's it's different and then you give up early goals again the the one thing about you know this sport and many sports is i can't tell you being around it for a lifetime it so takes a toll, as I think everybody knows, when you're constantly chasing the game up the hill, yep. whether it's in a, in a series, in a game, in a period. And, you know, Montreal just could never get back. And they're also the kind of team, and 
it's a reason they're playing for the whole ball of wax, as we like to talk about, is because when they get a lead and they can dictate and they can make it so miserable on you to come through the middle of the ice, you know, they're no fun to play against. Trust me, saw a lot of it this year with my own two eyes when they have the lead and can squeeze you. Well, you know, Tampa just really hasn't allowed that to happen in this series. Well, and I think, Peter, you know, former Edmonton Oiler and Regina Pat head coach Pat Conacher one time, I heard him doing an interview, and he just said, catch-up hockey is losing hockey. The percentages of of winning when you're constantly coming from behind all the time, it's it's exhausting. And um, forget about the shot clock. None of that matters. What matters is the quality, the quality of the chances. Now they're talking about that home plate stat, but it really does speak to the game. And before we go to break, Lou, I just want to throw this at you as food for thought. I think that when you have a team... Call it catching lightning in a bottle. Call it whatever you want. We've seen it many, many, many times over the years. That team that nobody expects to win. Nobody expected them to beat Toronto. I don't think even that many people, Frank, well, I don't know. Winnipeg, maybe not quite so much, but certainly not not the way they did. No, no, dominating them. And then you go and and people say, well, you know, but they came out of Canada. Well, the Canadian division, the North division is the weak link in all of this. They're, they have no chance of beating Las Vegas, but they did. But at some point, if that coach turns into a pumpkin, just like teams that are favorites don't always deal with when things aren't supposed to go that way, when that team that is, that is fed off of that momentum, but when it finally feels like it's coming to an end, it feels like it just tears your heart out. And I really get the feeling by watching the games and watching the body language on that bench and just seeing the way things are unfolding. This one's going to be really difficult for the Montreal Canadiens to come back from, I think. Oh, listen, um, you think about the quality of their opponent, their experience, all that they've been through. And that's not just about when you speak of Tampa winning last year. Kelly, they are the best franchise over the last six, seven years, period. Because to me, a true elite team, all they do every year is get to the final four, it seems, outside of, you know, we know what happened, the 60-win season, and, you know, Columbus upset them. And that was another one of those situations. They had a 3 nothing lead that year in game number one, lost it, and never and never recovered from it. Um, you know, but this is a team that year in and year out, they knocked on the door for a while. They finally kicked it in and they have great players and great experience. They've seen and gone through it all. And, you know, I think we're really seeing a lot of that in this series. And certainly, you know, it's not been easy for them to get back here. The Islanders gave them everything. You know, the road to this point, is so difficult. And I guess my last comment, because I know we're getting up against it, is um, there's something to be said sometimes for the journey and getting there, but then there's that last step that is so, so difficult. It is. It is, especially in a situation like this, because right or wrong, if the Tampa Bay Lightning... We're trailing three nothing. 
there would still be part of me that would not mm-hmm. want to rule them out. Me too. But I don't feel that way now with the shoe being on the other foot because I just think that the experience and the fact that, you know, let's call it what it is, Lou, you know, <laughs> they're just a better hockey team. And yeah, they're better. Th- as yeah, you said, sure they the, the Canadians, when you play a better game than your opponent and you still can't win, that is a problem. And they had that opportunity in game two, and unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, Clark, do you want me to keep rolling here for two more minutes, or can we, t- we can go to break? Okay, well, let's do that. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back with former Blue Jays first base coach Tim Leeper. Uh, right after the break, come back. I'm Kelly. He's Lou. You're watching the Rod Peterson Show. Whatever you do, don't go away, folks. Head to YouTube.com slash The Rod Peterson Show now. You gotta subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. Laid back and kicking it. Let's head back to the studio. (laughs) I've made it, folks. I got my own caricature and promo. I've been waiting years. I had to pay dues, though. As Lou would say, my good co-host today, you gotta pay dues. Lynch, he got a character, he got a, a promo. DuPont, well deserved. Of course, Rod. But I think I might be the only other one to get one. And it's a it's a Oh yeah, well there you go. My own promo. If I never did another show, exactly, if I never did another show, I can say I got my own promo. So I'm feeling really good about it. I could get up and walk out right now, but I won't do that. You know why? Because I'm probably about as excited uh, about our next guest as I've been in a long, long time. I'm a huge Toronto Blue Jays fan. And joining us now in uh, beautiful Ontario, I believe he's at his resort or his cabin, is uh, former first base coach of the Toronto Blue Jays, Tim Leeper, joins us. Tim, I told Clark, I don't mind filling in for Rod and doing the next couple of shows with Peter Labardius, but you got to give me some Blue Jays, and he gave me the best one possible. So I feel like I've died and gone to heaven, Tim. Well, that's a good intro. I hope I can. Uh, I hope I can live up to that billing right there. And if this is, if you've looked excited to this, you must be guys having a slow time right now. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. In fact, we're going to get to we're going to get to the Toronto Blue Jays current uh, soon enough. But I just want to say, you know, Tim, that for those more, I guess maybe casual fans that that aren't familiar with your resume. I mean, they obviously know that you were a former first base coach. I want to talk about 2000. Believe me, we're going to talk about 2015 in a few minutes. But when I went on Wikipedia, there was some stuff on there that I didn't even realize. Like, for example, I didn't know that you literally had a 12 year minor league career between, was it 85 and 96? Something like that. Yes, that is correct. Yes. And, and then, um, extensive coaching opportunities all over baseball. But 
I knew that you were involved in Baseball Canada and Canadian baseball, but I didn't realize like how much. 2004 Canadian Olympic team, 2006, 2009, 2013 World Baseball Championships, bronze medal in 2008, 2011, and I think as recently as even a couple weeks ago, you've been involved with Canadian baseball. So how does an American guy from California get so knee-deep in Canadian baseball? I love it. Well, I've spent over a third of my life here in Canada now, so I think I'm feeling a little bit more Canadian than American. I actually took a picture of my garage the other day when I was cleaning it out on, I think it was in between Canada Day and Independence Day, and there's a kayak, there's a snowmobile, there's a Canadian flag, and there's a picture of a wolf that was left in, in my garage when I bought it. So I think I have made the transformation over to, to being a full-fledged uh, Canadian. But the, the Baseball Canada thing was great. I, I came to uh, Canada, the well, my first time I played here in 88 and 89 in London, Ontario for the AA Tigers. And then I coached for the Ottawa Lynx uh, in 99. I eventually got married, had children there, had a family, uh, split up. But during that time there, um, I, I met Greg Hamilton, who's the head of Baseball Canada, and we had like a three, four year relationship. And at one point during our relationship, I just mentioned the fact that if you ever needed help coaching, I'd love to do it. Because um, at that time, I had just got done coaching Jason Bay and had a few other players. And I really liked their team. I didn't realize how many great baseball players came from Canada and how well they did internationally. So I, he offered me a job on the Olympic qualifying team in 2003. And I've been carrying on ever since. We, we we went to Panama that year. We qualified for the Olympics, went to Athens in 2004. And I've had a really nice run. We're all still together. Ernie Witt's still the manager. You know, Larry Walker has since joined our coaching staff, Denny Boucher, Paul Quantrill, and then Greg Hamilton. So it's really honestly professional. I say it's professionally, but it's really the best thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, the Blue Jays thing was awesome. Uh, but it's, I feel so blessed that I've gotten to do everything that's possibly good in Canada with baseball. I've been involved with some really good things and I've been involved with some really good people and that continues until today. And I feel really blessed that I get to do it. Well, my co-host Peter Labardius uh, is the single most patriotic person I know. And this guy could talk Canadian baseball all day. So there you go. Uh, There you go. (laughs) So before I start hitting you with the Toronto Blue Jays stuff, I know Lou has a question for you. Fire away, Peter. Tim, I probably have a thousand, to be honest. Um, You know, I've followed the Canadian baseball program very, very closely for a long time. I've been to World Junior Championships, um, the 2015 Pan Am gold medal game. um, And that event is one of my all-time favorite nights of being a sporting event. I know we were with the Blue Jays at that point in time. Um, I don't even really know where to start because with you, I think about a near Grand Slam home run in 2004 in Athens. And I can tell by your face, you can see that moment. I think about, yeah, I got you. I I have the same ones too, honestly. I I can think about our incredible win over the United States at Chase Field in Arizona in the World Cup of 2006. But here's one because I think in our country – Um, And I I just, I love the game. I love our country and all team sports. I've always wanted to ask somebody about this. 2011, Mexico, Pan American Games. Not even sure many people to this, you might know that we won in 2015. And it was frankly really sad that that game wasn't even on national television. 
if you can, and, and, and it's personal, take me back. You beat Mexico in the semifinal. You beat the United States 2-1 to win the gold medal. How high would that rank in Tim Leeper's best ever baseball moment? It was really high. I realized how high it was when I got a letter in the offseason saying that we were being inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. And that's something I never expected. And that was a really cool letter. Um, and I had been with the program. You know, I really came in at a good time. I really I almost cherry picked coming in. It was when, when Justin Warner was coming up, when when uh, Russ Martin was coming up, when Jason Bay was coming up. And, and we had all of our really good players coming together in 2003 to make the Olympics in 2004. And that was a huge accomplishment because at the time, only two teams from the Americas actually got a chance to go to the Olympics and to knock the United States out and, and be, be able to go to Athens was huge. But our, our highest finish internationally in World Cups and things of that nature were, was a bronze medal. And that was, uh, I, I believe, in like 2009. And that was a huge accomplishment for us in Italy to go ahead and win the bronze medal there but to go to the pan am games and win a gold medal to win it against the u.s to do it the way we did it um was just fantastic the greatest thing about that is that we had a world cup before that we finished third again uh, in panama we we went immediately down to mexico to play in, in the pan am games and it gave our chance our team a chance to be together a lot and just everything came together at the right time you know i don't know if you remember this scotty richmond pitched the last two and a third innings i think for us in that game he had been awful, just absolutely, and he'll tell you this. He was awful for like the whole month in, in the in the, in the World Cup and in the Pan Am games. He was terrible for whatever reason that night, man. He was throwing bullets and he was throwing darts and he wasn't missing Cole Armstrong's glove. And it was just awesome. And, and if you remember, we won that game. Jimmy Van Ostrand hit a single down the right field line. Uh, Tim Smith was on first base. It was one of those plays as a third base coach you absolutely dream for because the right fielder came in. Jimmy, Jimmy made a really good hard turn to second. And the right fielder came up to throw the ball to second base and was kind of undecided on what to do. The whole time that was going on, Tim Smith was running really hard. And so when the American outfielder threw the ball in a second base, it gave me a chance to wheel Tim Smith home for what turned out to be the winning run and to win us our first gold medal game. So for me personally, like it was a great thing for me as a third base coach because you're usually not involved in too many games. And when you are, it's usually not for the right reasons. Uh, but everything... <laughs> that could happen perfectly for us in that situation, got us a gold medal and it was great. And it, it was coming on the heels of a couple tough tournaments. Like, you know, the, the world baseball classic in Toronto where we, where we end up losing to Venezuela and not getting to the next game. That was kind of big. Uh, just personally, like watching Greg Hamilton, watching Ernie Witt navigate this thing. It was to see the hard work they put in and know the kind of people they are to win that gold medal for me, like for them, that was like, those were great moments and great memories for me. And, and to see your team up there, on the gold medal platform, uh, accepting their medals. Why, as a staff, you're, you're back there, and then, and then they give you a thumbs up and acknowledge you. Like that was a really, really cool moment for me. Tim, I just have one last one because I know Kel's got a million, and we could keep you for two hours. It would be really easy. Greg Hamilton and what this man has done for baseball in our country. Um, people aren't always familiar with that name. Needless to say, you have an incredible relationship. Is there any way to properly describe what that gentleman has done for baseball in this country? Nobody can really understand how much he's done. And if you've gone through the program and there's a million guys that are even now retiring from Major League Baseball that have come up 
to the junior national junior program and and have been part of his leadership uh they can tell you what it means and like i just think if you're a junior player in canada and you get a chance to go through this program by the time you actually play professional baseball you've played more professional baseball games already than than any kid in the united states has done in in terms of like going to instructional leagues going to spring trainings playing in world uh, junior tournaments all everywhere against like unbelievable competition but you know what he brings to people as a human being as a professional how he prepares you for life outside baseball and your career going forward uh you, you can't you can't measure it whatsoever it, it's a hidden gem it kind of goes but you know behind the behind the curtain here right um i think that's the way he really likes it but man he does he's one of the best baseball people i've, I've been involved in some really good baseball experiences he's truly the best baseball person i've ever been around in my entire life I think I think on Lou's bucket list now he's added talk to Tim Leeper about Canadian baseball. I think I have a feeling yeah, you two true. guys it's- I have a feeling you guys could have about a ten hour amazing conversation. I just like to sit back and watch something like that. But I know that the fans are boards lighting up. I can't get to all the questions, so I'm gonna try to tie a lot of different things together. Let's talk a little bit about hair standing up on arms. You must have been standing on first base for the bat flip in 2015, were you not? Great moment, yes, it was. And it, it, at the time of the play, and I've said this before, at the time of the play, I wasn't really needed to like coach the bases. So for whatever reason, I just kind of moved towards the on-deck circle, towards the batter's box a little bit closer, just to watch Jose hit. And it was crazy. We had emptied the benches two or three times before that. You know, every... You know, it's you know it's a bad day in Canada when people are throwing uh, full beer cans down on the field. So <laughs> the, the the stadium was was crazy. Um, but but I just happened to sneak down and just watch Jose. I, di- I didn't watch Dyson deliver the ball. I didn't watch anything else. I just wanted to concentrate on him. And thank God I did because that was the moment he hit it. And when he hit it, like it was a no doubter. I, I was I was completely locked in. It was a no doubter. And then he stood there, and literally the words out of my mouth. I started to say, "You gotta." Effing, and I was going to say, you got to run, <laughs> you got to run. And then I thought to myself, you know, leap, you're an idiot. Like this is the greatest <laughs> moment maybe in Canadian baseball history, except for the Joe Carter home run. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just sat back and enjoyed it. And it was really cool. And it was great to take it all in. It was great. to. I, I, I was really focused on Jose the whole time he did that. I thought it was really fitting that a guy who had carried this franchise on his back for as many years as he did, was the guy that hit that home run. And, and that was a, it was great because it took us to the next round, which was huge. And, and at the time we really, really thought we could win the world series. We, we probably still do. And, uh, but it was great that it was him that did it. I was really happy for him after all he's gone through here. You know, here's where I'm going to go with this, this sort of this little transition, my perception, and I don't think I'm wrong is that, Although there have been many great players that have come through the Blue Jays organization over the years, what sticks with people? Well, Dave Steeb, Jesse Barfield, George Bell. Why? Because in the 80s, the Blue Jays were winning and the Blue Jays were special, right from coast to coast. I don't need to tell you that. You've, you've lived it being with baseball. They, people love those guys from that time. Then in the 90s, they're winning World Series. You got everyone from... You know, the Hanky and Alomar and Carter and just, and people love those guys because they won. The same thing could be said for that run that you guys had in those years. You, you go out and you get Tula Whiskey, you get David Price. That sends a message to not only the team, but the fans that we're here to win. And you did. And people won't forget 
Bautista. And they won't forget the players and Encarnacion, those types of guys. I think we're on the cusp, I think, of having another group with the, you know, Bo Bichette's and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and Teo Martin, uh, <clears throat> Hernandez, sorry, Teoscar Martinez. I think that's coming. Like, it's, it's too early to tell. But don't you kind of feel like it's on the verge of something special happening with this group? Maybe not this year. Maybe. But maybe not this year, but in the next year or two. Yeah, you absolutely feel that, too. And it, it's all kind of lining up. It's funny now because you're looking at the way they play and you look at the weekend. It was a good weekend. And, and obviously they, they could have won yesterday as well. Um, but you're starting to break this team down now to like the little fine details, the things that used to be kind of cute with the guys growing up, the growing pains, like the growing pains are kind of over. And now the, the it's for real. Like, and these, this team does have a chance to win. They're great guys. They're guys that are going to capture the city's heart because they're young, they're enthusiastic, they're super talented and they're super good. And I, I'm looking at this perfect storm of like, you know, maybe the border opening back up, maybe the stadium being back open, maybe seeing the team come and to see this place to be ready to go in August and September um, this year. I mean, I, I can feel like it could be so crazy and it could just capture the city's heart at the absolute perfect time. I think it's a huge opportunity this year because I think never before has the American League East, except for the time that we were there and, and we were really, really good. I don't I, I think it's really winnable. I think when you get to the playoffs, just because there's so many pitching injuries, there's so many different factors that aren't involved in a, in a, in a quote-unquote normal season, that I think that the opportunities are there. Obviously, I think they need to get a little bit better. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline. But this team is definitely good enough to be in the mix, to win an American League East, to get deep into the playoffs. And it's going to be fun. It's fun for me as a fan, and it's really cool knowing some of these guys and, and knowing what they're about to go through. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's how you manage it, how you how you get all the pieces together, the, the risks that you have to take now to get a little bit better, even though they may not be popular at the time that you do them. Like your, your ability to evaluate your own system, who to trade, who to keep, who not to, what this team really needs to win a championship. This is going to be on this front office and this is going to be on this team. And, and these are the moments that make or, make or break like people. And, and I think this team has a chance to be really, really good, have a chance to do something really special in this city. Last question. Um, so my, my perception would be that now that Robbie Ray has just dialed up his game, Stripling's been really good, but Alec Manoa seems to me that he's a big X factor here because I don't think that as good as they thought that he was, that he would be able to come in and dominate like he has. Now there's going to be ups and downs. He's a rookie. So every game's not going to be like the last one we saw where his slider was so good, like good luck. Um, Wade Boggs would have had a tough time with that slider that day. But, <laughs> but he's given them a chance, I think, to strengthen the, the starting rotation enough that if you add maybe another pitcher or two to the bullpen, they've done a little bit here, you might be, I mean, they're what, four points out of the wild card. So you go from kind of thinking like, well, maybe this isn't the year. Let's not get seduced by a 500 type of team. Their best years are ahead. But now I'm starting to hear the executive guys like Mark Shapiro and them saying, well, we think we might be able to win this year. If you were a betting man, do you think, Tim, that there's going to make some moves and they're going to throw their name in the hat for this year? 
Or do you think this is still a setup year and they're not quite willing to trade future assets quite yet? What do you think? That's going to be their big decision. And what they say and what they feel are probably two entirely different things, maybe not. I, I, I look at this. This is exactly the kind of team you bet on. If you look at us in 2015, we were we were uh, five and a half games out of a wild card, I think, at the time we, we made our trades. And the same goes for 2016. What you want to be is that team that's playing great going into the playoffs. And this team obviously can hit. And you look back at the things we did in 2015. And one thing with, with Alex Anthopoulos, like, there was nothing that was not obtainable. There wasn't a player that was not obtainable. So he shot for the moon and we got David Price. And not only did we get David Price, we got we got Mark Lowe, we got we got Latroy Hawkins, we 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 made our bullpen stronger. We got an ace. We got an ace of David Price. We got Troy Tulowitzki. But it was it was the Ben Revere and it was Cliff Pennington and it was Darwin Barney. Like these kind of like tighten these things up too. So it wasn't just the the really big acquisitions we got. So there's a lot I think this team has to do, again, I think the way they swing the bats, the way that there's times they've been able to navigate their way through a bullpen that hasn't been really good. Obviously, it's easy to say, let's go out and get bullpen pieces. We're going to be better. You know, for me, I think you need to think a little bit bigger than that. I think you definitely need the bullpen pieces. But why not go out and get a, like a number one starter? Why not go get a price or get a guy and, and, and really pay heavily for a guy that can actually take the pressure off your bullpen and make the guys that are returning from injury uh, a little bit stronger because you don't have to use them as much. So I think this is the perfect time to do it. It would lead them perfectly, whether they get the wild card, whether they win the division, it gets them into the playoffs playing really well. And I think one thing it might take away from uh, being a coach for five years in the major leagues is I saw teams give up on themselves too much and underestimate themselves probably more than I saw them overestimate themselves. So looking at it this from, from a fan standpoint, you know, from a guy who's in the business, I look at this team and there's something really, really special here. And I would shoot the moon right now. And, and, you know, a lot of these moves that you make that might be big moves are moves that can help you in the future, too. Like, we were really good in 16 as well. We didn't get there the same way we did in 15. Um, I think we underestimated ourselves in 17. So, But with, with some of these trades, man, it, it probably lasted three years for us. So when you have a chance in the major leagues, it's really difficult to, to win. Uh, windows are really small. You may think you have it laid out perfectly. But you know what? The players see it differently. It's different. This team's good. This team can hit. They got a deep lineup. They can beat a pitching. Make it happen now for me. Like this, this is because again, you don't want to see this go away, get close, and then never get there again. I think this is a good opportunity because the way the league is, it's so crazy with injuries. It's so crazy with teams that are, you know, the now now there's, there's no sticky stuff in the ball. Number one starters are not number one starters anymore. Like sh- your guys are good. Your guys are clean. Go for it. That, that that's my opinion. If I was doing it, this would be a good time to go for it. And it, it's not just for this year. It would carry over into next year as well. The only downside to this is we don't have more time. I would love to <laughs> just <laughs> I would just love to talk to you for another 20 minutes. Uh, but we're we're very, very grateful that you would take time out of your day today to join us here on the Rod Peterson Show. Tim, can't thank you enough. Thank you for coming on. I hope one day, um, at least if I'm ever invited back to do this show again, I would love to have you back because I feel like we could just keep talking. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Great talking to you. Great meeting you. And it was an enjoyment. Great conversation. I can talk about Baseball Canada all day, too. <laughs> oh, well, there. Hey, Tim, Tim, Peter lives in Mississauga. Tim, you guys should get together. <laughs> Tim, thanks for, in all sincerity and closing, I know we got to run. Thanks for all you have done in the sport for our country. It is so appreciated. And you being an American, 
I, I think in some ways it means even more. So so thank you from the bottom of my heart. I mean it. I really do. Yeah, uh, thanks. I, again, I'm just lucky to be part of something that, that, that Greg built and, you know, I'm fortunate to do it. Thanks a lot. That means a lot. All right. Tim Leeper, former first base coach of the Toronto Blue Jays, was standing on first base or just off first base for the big Jose Bautista backflip in 2015. Can you imagine having a front row seat for that? Anyway, we're up against the break. You're watching the Rod Peterson Show. You're listening to the Rod Peterson Show, and we will be back in a couple minutes. Don't go away, folks. Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. Laid back and kicking it. Let's head back to the studio. I've lost 30 pounds. My cheeks aren't quite that chubby anymore, but that's okay. I'll take it. Man, I could have talked to Tim Leeper for hours. I know, Peter, you probably feel the same way. Peter Labardius joining us in the co-host chair from Mississauga, Ontario. That was fascinating. One of the things that, you know, I'd like to talk to you about, I don't know how much Jays baseball you've watched, but I kind of agree with Tim. Um, I know that that there's always going to be that debate is when's the right time to sell? When's the right time to move future pieces to win now? And maybe the Blue Jays are a little ahead of schedule. Maybe not. Maybe they expect it to be uh, right there. But when I look at that roster and I see finally George Springer back in the lineup, I see Grichik, I see Gurriel Jr., I see Teo, uh, Hernandez out in right field. I'm seeing Bichette and, you know, Marcus Simeon. Who would have thought that he'd be amongst the top in the, in the Major League Baseball and home runs? Vladdy. Now they got a catcher that can actually, I don't know, hit in Reese McGuire. Pretty decent starting pitching. The bullpen's still eh, but you know what? I kind of agree with Tim. Like, the window and the opportunity to win is so small, that you don't know three, four years from now if these guys are, you can afford them or you're, they're willing to pay them. So I don't know, Lou. I kind of, I was, I've always thought they're not ready. They're not quite good enough yet. Let's not everybody get excited. Next year, let's throw our name in the hat when we really have a chance. But they're only four games out of a wild card. Maybe now's the time. Well, you know, this is, this is a long one, but. Marcus Semyon, for me, has been their best player this year. And he signed a one-year $18 million deal. Kelly, he's going to make $100 million going forward. He's going to be one of the big tickets in free agency. I'm, I'm never really okay with selling key, key free agent assets. But that gets balanced by, you know, they were lucky in a different kind of season to be in the playoffs last year. I think there's ways that you can do both. And if they could ever go out and land two players in particular, a starting pitcher, but maybe even more importantly, a guy who could throw three, a long reliever. It's one of the most underrated players in the sport to help them in that transition. Then those would be two significant pieces that I'd love to see them try to add. And I'm sure they are. Up against the break, we're going to be... We went a little long with Tim, which was fine. We did the right thing, Lou. 
we did the right thing by going along with Tim. But, Timmy! But we got to yeah, take a break, Timmy, yeah. and uh, we'll be back right after this. You're watching the Rod Peterson Show. Do not go away. We're going to set up Lou to talk a little basketball, Canadian basketball. I can't oh, wait boy. for this. Rod Peterson Show, come on back, folks. Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. Honey, can you get one of the kids to show me how this Twitter thing works? Honey, I need to get on Instagram. Time for more of the Rod Peterson Show. Speaking of Twitter, I have one of the loneliest Twitter accounts <laughs> in Canada. I would really appreciate it if some of you, any of you, would take pity on me and humor me and check me out at, at SilverFoxTalks. I am one funny SOB. But nobody's watching. Then you got Lou over there. At Fan960 Lou, he's the co-host today. Actually, I'm just, I'm, not, I'm just kidding, Peter. I got like at least a thousand followers now. Yeah, I'm moving up. I'll tell you this. It may not be a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right? No kidding. No That's kidding. That's a I, show I, all to itself. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. You know, so here's the thing, Peter. Um, I want to dabble in this now, and then we'll really get into it at about 11.40, or about about half an hour from now. Yeah. But let's give people an appetizer, and I'll really quickly set the table, because we got about two minutes. The Canadians defeated the Greeks, 97-91, and then uh, China, 109-79, before dropping mm-hmm. a heartbreaking overtime loss to the Czechs on Saturday. They do not qualify for the Olympics again. Again. We're going to get into it after we talk to Rod and Darren right after the break. You and I are going to spend some real time on this. Let's wet people's whistle. You got 90 seconds, Lou, to talk about how you're feeling right now. You're down, Lou. Uh, Crushed. I haven't felt that way about a loss in a long time. And to the point, Cal, I don't even completely understand it in a sense. Um, Hockey is my favorite sport. People know that. Um, But for those who don't know, my passion for any team that wears the Maple Leafs is probably not even understandable, probably need help counseling and psychiatry for how that can make me feel um, at certain times. But Basketball has really gotten to me, and I'll explain further as to why um, this one really, really stung, and we'll get to that later. We have Rod Peterson. We have Darren DuPont coming on this show. Well, it's their show. Why shouldn't they be on? They're in Montreal. We're going to talk to them right after the break. You're watching. Head to YouTube.com slash The Rod Peterson Show now. You gotta subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. For more Rod Peterson on demand, visit rodpeterson.com.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.